0: I want to share with you a, edit, an editorial that was written in 1949 by the late Vermont Royster and has been published annually in the Wall Street Journal every Christmas since then. And it was, again, published this weekend. And it's just so on the money, and I think it's very much in keeping with the season. By the way, speaking of the season... I know a lot of us may not go to church every Sunday, but even those of us that are only sporadic in our church attendance generally make an effort to attend church on Christmas, or at least the Sunday before Christmas. We didn't do midnight mass, but we did Sunday morning mass on Christmas Eve. And sometimes you feel guilty, and especially if you go to Catholic services, they make you feel a little guilty. You go to these Catholic churches and they say, oh, I remember all you guys from Easter. Christmas is a season where even if you're not typically religious, even if you don't make a habit of praying daily, even if you don't make a habit of thinking about religion on a regular basis, Christmas is a season and a holiday where you are overcome with spirituality and with faith. I don't think there's anything wrong with going to church on Christmas. I don't think it makes you phony, even if you don't go any other week of the year. I think it's a wonderful time to be a little bit more spiritual, to think about God, to think about faith, to think about religion when you don't typically. And look, even if you're an, an atheist or an agnostic, being a part of a grand religious tradition like a Christmas worship service on the holiday, it can help you feel connected to millions of others, billions of others. It can help you feel connected to a cause greater than yourself. And I think that's important every day but especially today. And I've heard a great deal, I'm going to get into this a little bit with Joe Piscopo in our third hour, but I've heard a great deal from people who have lost folks. A woman called me on Friday and she seemed like such a nice lady and she said that she had no family left and I just felt so bad for this, uh, this wonderful woman because she just seemed incredibly fun, incredibly kind, incredibly intelligent and she's got nobody to celebrate Christmas with and I think if that's you, if you're listening to the radio right now because you were not at a Christmas Eve party or you're not getting up early to prepare your Christmas Day holiday, then at least maybe go to church and spend some time with the people at church for an hour or so. In any event, uh, that is some of what was in mind by Vermont Royster when he wrote this editorial in 1949. It's called In Hoc Anno Domini. When Saul of Tarsus set out on his journey to Damascus, the whole of the known world lay in bondage. There was one state, and it was Rome. There was one master for it all, and he was Tiberius Caesar. Everywhere there was civil order, for the arm of the Roman law was long. Everywhere there was stability in government and in society, for the centurions saw that it was so. But everywhere there was something else, too. There was oppression. For those who were not the friends of Tiberius Caesar, there was the tax-gatherer to take the grain from the fields, and the flax from the spindle to feed the legions, or to fill the hungry treasury— from which divine Caesar gave largesse to the people. There was the impressor to find recruits for the circuses. There were executioners to quiet those whom the emperor proscribed. What was a man for but to serve Caesar? There was the persecution of men who dared think differently, who heard strange voices or read strange manuscripts. There was enslavement of men whose tribes came not from Rome, disdain for those who did not have the familiar visage. And most of all, There was everywhere a contempt for human life. What to the strong was one man, more or less, in a crowded world. Then, of a sudden, there was a light in the world, and a man from Galilee, saying, Render unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. And the voice from Galilee, which would defy Caesar, offered a new kingdom, in which each man could walk upright, and bow to none but his God. Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. And he sent this gospel of the kingdom of man into the uttermost ends of the earth. So the light came into the world, and the men who lived in darkness were afraid, and they tried to lower a curtain so that man would still believe salvation lay with the leaders. But it came to pass for a while in divers places that the truth did set man free, although the men of darkness were offended, and they tried to put out the light. The voice said, Haste ye, walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you, for he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. Along the road to Damascus, the light shone brightly, but afterward Paul of Tarsus, too, was sore afraid. He feared that other Caesars, Other Prophets might one day persuade men that man was nothing save a servant unto them, that men might yield up their birthright from God for pottage and walk no more in freedom. Then might it come to pass that darkness would settle again over the lands and there would be a burning of books and men would think only of what they should eat and what they should wear and would give heed only to new Caesars and to false prophets. Then might it come to pass that men would not look upward to see even a star in the east and once more there would be no light at all in the darkness and so Paul the apostle of the son of man spoke to his brethren the Galatians the word he would have us remember afterward in each of the years of his Lord stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage all right I'm going to be with you for the next four hours or so, and if you're in New York, probably the next five hours. But hopefully my voice can uh, can hold out until then. I appreciate your patience. You know, Curtis Leiva gave me a steroid to take, and he gave me a couple to take over the weekend, which he said he would help, me, which he said would help my voice. I have to be honest; I took this special Curtis steroid. I think it actually made my voice worse. <laughs> it really has has screwed up my throat a bit. That jokes on me for taking a steroid from Curtis. I'll see if John Gambling has any tips straight ahead